In today's message, we begin a new series called Stories That Shape Our Faith. Over the coming weeks, Pastor Josh and others will be walking us through Old Testament stories that many of us have heard since childhood, but may need to see with fresh eyes as they point us back to Jesus. Today, we focus on the creation account in Genesis chapter 1. We look forward to what God will do as we see these stories in a new light. Well, good morning, church. How are we? Great. If you have your Bibles, would you open to Genesis chapter 1, verse 1. Hopefully that is the easiest Bible find you have ever been asked. Uh, You simply just go to the beginning, uh, and if you get to Revelation, you are way off, okay? Um, But Genesis 1-1 is where we will kick off today as we are embarking in a new sermon series called Stories of Our Faith. Um, and this, this sermon series is going to be 10 weeks in length, including this one. And, and, and these are the stories that when I think back on them, when I think back on, on when I first heard these stories, it takes me back to a really sweet place with, with really incredible memories. Like, like if I close my eyes and I think through accounts of, of creation, I go back to my grandparents' house, and this is gonna sound strange. Some of y'all gonna be like, yeah, amen, and some gonna be like, ooh, that's gross. I remember, like, just when I think back on it, my grandmother would read the word over me while my grandfather is in the kitchen making a fried bologna sandwich. Anybody like fried bologna sandwiches in here? Yes, my people, that's what I'm talking about. It's just something about it. And, and the real question is, and we're not getting into it, do you cut it so it doesn't bubble up? So it, okay, good. At least we're all on the same page with that. But it takes me back to that moment. But it's not just that. When I think back to other stories that have shaped us through, throughout, throughout my life, like these, these stories of the beginning, these stories of, of how we came to be God's people. It takes me back to, to when I'm a little kid and I'm laying in my mom's lap and, and my mom is telling me these stories. One of my favorite stories she would ever tell me was the story of uh, Meshach, Shadrach, and Abednego. And I only liked that because I just liked their names. I didn't care about really what happened in the story. And it was flooded with great memories for me because as I laid my head back in her lap and she would tell me the stories of of how the three walked in to the fiery furnace, but there were four in there and they didn't die, she would take her fingers and comb them through my thick hair. She would look at me and say, Josh, you are so special. God made you special and you are beautiful. I'm like, I know, mama, I know. And that probably feeds into my inflated ego as it still stands today, right? I can think back to to middle school. I can think back to even earlier than that when kids would say mean things to me and they would call me ugly or call me whatever names that were being used back in the day. And I would look at them and be like, what are you talking about? My mom says I'm pretty and my mom is right. Uh, And and I just like, like that is instilled in me the fact that, that, that in the earliest memories that I have are memories of this book. I know that may not be the case for some people in this room, and I'm, I'm not saying that your childhood was less than, I'm just saying it was different. I know for, for many, though, these, these stories, these true, actual accounts, when we read through them, they're going to do something in you. They're they're going to bring you back to a a place and a time that that is special for you, that that may even be sacred to you. And so you may say, well, Josh, what are these stories that help shape our faith? Well, there are 10 of them, and here are the ones that we're going to cover over these next 10 weeks. We're going to look at the creation, that's today. 
Next week, we look at the fall. Then we look at Noah and the ark, Abraham and Isaac, Jacob and Esau, the whole of Joseph's story, Moses, Jericho and Rahab, David and Goliath, and the three friends in the fiery furnace. And you may say, well, Josh, where are the other good stories? Hey, listen, Lord willing, we got a whole lot of time together. We're going to come back to those, but, but we are going to look at these 10 stories over these next 10 weeks and see that they are so much more than a story. But no doubt, after you go back and you are thinking through these things, it may cause you to go back and to remember like one-liners from these stories, right? So, so I know for uh, particularly our kids, whenever we share these stories with them, uh, and I don't know if it just wasn't available when I was a kid, or maybe, maybe we just didn't have the resources available to my family at that time, but, but my, my parents, my mom and, and my grandparents would use the Bible, and they would, they would read to me out of the Bible, and then they would make it make sense to me. And I know now we have the opportunity to use like, like storybook Bibles, like the ones that have the beautiful pictures in them, and it tells the story of each and every one of these accounts. But typically, at best, you're going to get a paragraph, but usually you're going to get two or three sentences explaining the entirety of the narrative. And maybe for some of us in this room, that's the only understanding of these stories that we have. So, so when I say the story of creation, you would say, well, yeah, I know what creation is. God created everything, and on the last day, he rested. Creation! Because it is so much deeper than that. Each and every story that God gives to us is pointing clearly to the person and the work of Jesus Christ. And we are going to look as that line is drawn out of each and every one of these accounts. So, as we are jumping in to this story today, I, I want you to look at Genesis chapter 1, verse 1. But give me just maybe, maybe three more minutes, okay? And I want to set the stage for where we are, all right? Who wrote Genesis? Many believe it's Moses, but Genesis wasn't the only book. He wrote Genesis and Exodus and Leviticus and Numbers. And what's the fifth one? Deuteronomy. You guys are Old Testament scholars. I'm so proud of each and every one of you. And so those five books coming together generally go by two names. One would be the Pentateuch. One would be the Torah, okay? So this would, this would be the book of the law or the five books, okay? Pent of five or, or the Torah, the book of the law. And it, was, and it was in this that Moses writes the history of God's people, okay? So, so who wrote Genesis? More than likely, it is Moses, okay? When did Moses write these books, okay? Sometime during Israel's journey, during their exodus out of Egypt, going towards the promised land. All right, so this may have caught you off guard, and here's why I think it may have. Because I think we know Moses wrote it, and I think we know that it's the history of Israel. But sometimes we want to believe that Genesis was written in the beginning as it speaks about in the beginning. So whenever God does something, like somebody was there as a scribe writing it down. So what we have is we have God's people. We have the people of Israel as they are captive now by Egypt. They're there 400 years. They're begging God to free them. God sends a deliverer in Moses. Moses goes before Pharaoh. God uses Moses, brings 10 plagues upon the people of Egypt. Pharaoh looks at Moses and says, 
get the people out of here. So they leave Egypt, and that is the exodus that Moses writes about, the exodus out of Egypt going towards the promised land. But they are in a desert for how many years? Forty. And as they are in that desert land, they are left with questions of, who are we? Where did we come from? Who, who are our people? Tell, tell us, who are we? So Moses writes down the book of law, starting with the story of their and, by God's grace, our creation. The most important question, though, why did Moses write this book? Why did he write the, the letters of the law anyway? Because God's people didn't have a written history. Many didn't know who they were because they didn't know whose they were. Church, that's still applicable to us today. There are too many people in this world that don't know who they are because they have no idea of whose they are. And so when we go back, particularly to this account, hopefully what you are going to experience today is the weight, the magnitude, the, if you let me use a, a seminary word, the glory of your creation and why your life matters today. Maybe you're here today and you were, you were just checking us out. You were just checking this church out because you were at your, your wit's end. You were at the end of your rope and you were saying, I, my life means nothing. I got nothing going for me. There's no reason for me to exist. Brother and sister, please hold on. Give me 20 minutes and let me show you the glory of your existence and why you were created. That's what this creation account is going to explain to us today. So as the people have been in captivity for 400 years, all they know for generation after generation after generation after generation is Egyptian way and Egyptian rule and Egyptian deity. But they know they belong to something different. They know they belong to something more. But all they've had at this point is just oral tradition that has been passed down. And so God in his infinite grace charges Moses to write this book of law so they can know whose they are. So with that, let us jump in to Genesis 1 verse 1. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Now we're going to we're going to pause right there, okay? The Bible begins with three powerful words in the Hebrew, four powerful words in the English, okay? So, so these words in Hebrew are Ba, Rashid, Elohim, okay? The English translation of that is in the beginning God. Don't, don't miss this because sometimes when we start the book, if you're reading books at home, usually you graze past the first paragraph, the first sentence, the first words to get to the good stuff that's in the middle. Guys, this is the good stuff. That in the beginning, God, their story, our story, the story of every human that is to come in the beginning, in our beginning, God was there. Why is that so important, Josh? Why are you bringing that up if you were supposed to allow us to see the weight of our life's existence? You know who wasn't there in the beginning? Us. You know who wasn't there in the beginning for them? Egyptian deity or Egyptian rule. Who was there at their beginning? Who was there at the beginning of all things? It is God. Now, they're not going to have this, but we do. Who is going to be there when all things come to a close? God. 
That's the reason he is called the Alpha and the Omega. The beginning and the end. He was there when it started and he will be there when it comes to a close. And that is what our life hangs upon, him and him alone. So as we look to this text today, in the beginning, God. Why is this so important for us? Because it is the the thing that anchors us. It is the thing that anchors all things. He is the one who gets to set the rules, and as we will find out, he will be the one standing in the end. To him and him alone will we give an account for how we live this life that he has trusted to us. So, back to the text. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Created. It's a strange word that in our understanding is to take something and make something else. We do a lot of creating in our house these days, mostly out of Plato. We'll take something and we'll mold it into something else and we're like, oh, it's great. That's not what God did here. God didn't take something and make something else. God created out of nothing. That's important. That's important for their history, Israel's history, but that's important for our present. God, our God, Yahweh Elohim, has the ability to create out of nothing. That when it seems hopeless, hope. How many of us need that word in our life today? It feels like we've got nothing. It feels like there's nothing to create or change or mold. But what we are relying on is not the stuff that's in existence. What we are relying on is the God who speaks things into existence. The main point here is that God created everything, things seen and things yet to be seen. He created the heavens and the earth. The main point is God created. Then Moses gives us the account on how this creation came to be. Look at verse 2. The earth was without form and void, and darkness was over the face of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the of the water. All right, so here, you may not see it, but if you were to go do word study here, here's what it looks like. It is chaos. It is, it is chaos in the initial scene, and God is going to make something beautiful, something great, something grand, something perfect out of chaos. This is really important for them and us today. Without form, nothing in it or on it, covered in darkness, but the Spirit of God was hovering over it. The picture here is God was working even when there was nothing. Do you feel encouraged yet? Because that truth is still true today. Keep going. To be clear, verse 2 is not about God's inability to create something that is functioning in his first attempt. He said, Josh, what are you talking about? All right. So if we follow this logic and we're just saying that God is going to to speak things in and it is going to be perfect, that if we go back to verse one, God created the heavens and the earth, but then verse two says, but then it was chaotic. Did, Did God create something that was chaotic? The whole picture that we see in the first two verses should be for these Israelites, these people who are called out of slavery and are being led to a place that they can't even imagine how good it is, but right now they're in a desert season. What God is reminding them is that in the chaos, he is there and he is working. 
There was never a moment in history's time that God wasn't aware and wasn't doing something. God is always doing something. This account is helping make crystal clear that Yahweh Elohim was always, always in control and always can bring order to the chaos. Remember where they are hearing this. They're coming out of the slavery. They're they're going to the beautiful promised land, but now they are struggling for 40 years. They needed verse 1 and 2. Church, we need verse 1 and 2. All right, so, so from there, Moses goes on to give us an account on how creation unfolds, okay? And we are going to skip a lot here, but let me give you the high notes, okay? So this would be us going back to that, that Jesus storybook Bible, that, that, that childhood uh, uh, book that, that tells us the creation account, okay? So day one, if we remember, what did God create day one? God created light. Day two, God creates the sky. Day three, God creates dry land, seas, plants, and trees, Day four, God creates sun, moon, and stars. Day five, God creates animals that live in the sea and animals that fly. Day six, this is the day. This is the big day for us. God creates animals that live on the land and us. And there's a distinction between those. And you may be sitting here in this room saying, Josh, we we are animals. We're not turning this into a science class today. What I'm telling you is we are above the animals that were created, but for a purpose. Let me explain. God does all of this by speaking, by the way. That's the authority that God has, something out of nothing just by speaking. And then on the seventh day, just because I don't want us to miss it, God rests. All right, so for the remainder of our time this morning, I want to point our attention to us, to God's creation of mankind. And you say, well, Josh, we need to point to Christ. We're going to get there, I promise. Going back, going back to, to that moment when I'm a kid and my mama rubbing her hands through my hair. Guys, I think about that often. Lush, beautiful. So much so I had a mullet. It was great. Even before they were cool. I just, I just remember my mom and her words of telling me that I was special, that I was pretty for whatever she would say. Like they meant a lot to me and they, they, they caused me to live differently because I would walk with a confidence just because my mama spoke that to me. As we dive into this, I want you to hear your father God make clear to you your purpose in creation. And that as special as it was for my mama to speak that life into me when I was a kid, I pray it is infinitely more special for father God to speak that into you today. All right, so, so as that is kept in your mind, okay, I want you to go to Genesis 1, verse 26 and following. Genesis 1, 26. So this is day six. God has created the animals that walk on the earth. And then here we come. Then God said, let us make man in our image, after our likeness. Now, we're going we're gonna to pause there and come back to it. God has up until this point created all things to bring him glory. All right, so, so everything, day one through day six and a half. God has created all of creation to bring him glory, okay? So all the creation, the, the light, the heaven and the earth, the sky, 
The, the animals who swim under the water, the animals who are flying in the air, the animals who are going to walk along the land. God creates them to declare or bring him glory. All right. But then something changes. Now he creates something to show his glory. This is different than the animals. This is different than creation. This is different than the stars in the sky and the beaches that we go walking in the summertime and the mountains that we hike in the fall. God created us to show his glory. God has done something in humanity's creation that was different than everything else. That's why we're going to see in just a moment that every day as he ends his work, he uses this Hebrew word tov, and it was tov, and it was good. But then when we get to the end of day six, he speaks a different word. He says, and it was mayo tov, it was very good. Because in the final day of day six, he creates man and woman that aren't just to bring him glory, although that is a purpose. Their goal in creation was to show his glory by the way they acted, by the way that they lived, by the way that they spoke, by the way that they treated one another. Every person was created to echo God's essence to everyone and everything. When God creates man, the Hebrew word, and you're going you're gonna to catch on real quick, okay? The reason we're doing a lot of language today, because you're going to see why it matters. The Hebrew word for man is, is Adam. So when God creates man, he creates Adam. That is, that is literally the Hebrew word. So when he creates Adam, when he creates man, he does so for the sole purpose of his glory as the standard. The idea when someone would get to know the human, when something would interact with the human, they would in many ways get to know the human's creator. They were to be God's likeness to everyone and everything. Look, the likeness isn't a physical likeness, but a likeness of character. And the character likeness wasn't just for human-to-human interaction, but to all interaction. So here is what the remainder of verse 26 says. And let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, and over the birds of the heavens, and over the livestock, and over all the earth, and over everything that creeps on the earth. The word dominion here has more than likely for you and me negative connotations. But that's only because of what happens in chapter 3. Can I use a different word that makes it a little bit different for you? Other than, than dominion, your Bible actually may translate it this way. That God gave man the authority to govern. To lead in such a way that when he is dealing with other humans or he is dealing with the creation, that everyone is to know the goodness and the graciousness of its creator. In the first Adam came the thought, the desire, the design that that first Adam was created to show God's glory. God created humans to lead and to govern in the same way that he leads and governs, with love and with grace. Verse 27, so God created man in his own image. There's that word again, it's Adam. You say, well, where's, where's Eve? Where's woman? 
Notice that Adam there is going to be all-encompassing of, of mankind. Look at the second half of 27. And in the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. So there's a whole lot here. And again, this is kind of the nature of this sermon series. There is going to be so much that we have passed over to get to what I believe is the main point of this text. So listen to me. Don't at me. Don't, 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 try to, don't send me a long email saying, well, you missed my favorite part of the story. I love you. Share that story with your kids and your grandkids. They'll love you for it. Cook some fried bologna. They'll remember it forever. But as, as we look to this, don't miss it, that, that what God is saying, let us create Adam. Let us create man in our, the plural language, in our. Who is the our? Who is with God in the beginning? Well, God is one, but God is three. It's God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. So there, in the beginning, we are created in the likeness of God. Male and female in the likeness of God, just to be crystal, crystal clear, God creates mankind. He creates Adam in his own likeness. What is mankind made of? Male and female. Without jumping into a whole different sermon, somebody may be asking, Josh, if God is so clear on only two genders of humanity, of male and female, why is there so much confusion today? No, don't, don't, don't miss it. We're not getting political here, but there's a lot of hurt people. It's because of the fall. It's because when sin enters the world, be back next week for that sermon. It's going to be super encouraging. Happy Mother's Day. <laughs> but when we get there, when we get there, look, look, we're going to see it where there is nothing that sin has not touched and started to break down. If God created man, man and woman, to be image bearers, where do you think the enemy wants to attack first? That when we mar the image of God, everything gets confused. And so it's crystal clear as we look to this, we see God creates mankind in his image, both male and female. He creates them for his glory, to show his glory. But when sin enters our story in Genesis chapter 3, it affects everything. More to that next week. But I want you to see the task that is at hand here. Okay, so, so we're still living without sin at this point. Okay, here's, here's mankind's call to live. Verse 28. And God blessed them. And he said to them. Don't, don't miss that. Don't just pass over it. God gives blessing to man and woman. And he says, be fruitful and multiply, fill the earth, and subdue it. Hallelujah. Have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds and the heavens and every living thing that moves on this earth. And God said, behold, I have given you every plant yielding seed that is on the face of the earth and every tree with seed that is fruit. You shall have them for food. God is gracious. And to every beast of the earth and to every bird of the heaven, and to everything that creeps on the earth and everything that breathes life, I have given every green plant for food. And it was so. And God saw everything that he had made, and behold, it was very good. And there was evening, and there was morning, the sixth day. We get to the end of this. 
Just in case you missed it, you need to hear it again. We, you, I, were created in all that we are and all that we do, all that we take part in to express God's likeness and character to everyone and everything. You may be saying, Josh, that is too heavy. That is impossible. But it wasn't. As a matter of fact, that was the easiest thing we had to do because before the fall happens, before sin happens, all we had to do was exist and we did it. And then sin came. And it mucked everything up. Everything began to, to begin to, to morph into change and chaos that God had called into order became to begin chaos again. But I don't want you to miss what happens on the seventh day. Look at Genesis 2, verse 1 and following. Thus the heavens and the earth were finished, and all the host of them. And on the seventh, on the seventh day, God finished his work that he had done, and he rested on the seventh day from all the work that he had done. So God blessed the seventh day and made it holy because on it God rested from all the work that he had done in creation. Hey, um, I, I don't want you to miss this because a lot of times when we do the creation story and the creation account, we really like the first six days and we just kind of act like the seventh day is just a filler. Rest is as, just part, as much part of the created order as everything else. I don't, I, don't, I don't want you to get this twisted because some of you are like, man, I rest all the time. I'm out on the boat. I'm out doing this. I'm, 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 I'm living my best life. No, no. Rest in him where we come to him and we cease from all of our doing to rest in all that he has done has been a thing from the beginning. And the model that he has created for us is that it is a holy day and it is for us to come and to remember our father. And so a lot of times we, we've made structures and rules that will line up and say, well, you can't work, you can't do this. The, the, the Pharisees were really great at this. The purpose wasn't to not sweat. The purpose was to actually spend a 24-hour day and take your hands off of your life and just see that the world will keep spinning. Take your hands off of your life just for a day, just for 24 hours, and do this every week to remind you you're not him. Because if you notice where the fall comes, it comes right after this where we believe that we need to take charge of what we've asked him to do because we may have prayed and we may have prayed fervently, but he's not acting according to our timeline. He's not doing what we want. So what we do instead is we put our hands back on our life and we get to work. And then we look at God and say, God, what happened? God's like, I don't know, that wasn't me. God shows us rest. So when we get here, as our worship team comes back out, I don't want to miss this. I'm way over my time, but I love it. Here's the takeaway. Here's the takeaway of Genesis 1. We're not even getting into Genesis 2. Don't email me. Genesis 1. Perfection. God's design. The weight of our existence was always to show his essence and his glory to the world. His creation was designed to do two things. One, bring him glory. Two, 
to declare his glory. Everything outside of humanity could only bring him glory. When he creates mankind, we were endowed by his grace and his creative order, the ability to show his glory. That's the weight that we carry with our life. So you may be here today and you say, what is my life? Why, why am I here? You are here because God created you for a special purpose. If my mama was here, she'd lay you right down and say, hey, baby, I love you. And she, if you had hair, she might rub it. She'd say, but my son's hair was better. We bring him glory. We declare his glory. For these reasons, for our creation, for our existence, we are called to continue that. So, the question that I've wrestled with over the last couple of weeks, really my life, but since we were getting ready to preach this, how am I doing at that? It's a simple question with huge implications. High school students, high school seniors, if, you're, if, if this is true, and I believe that you think it is, how are you doing at living out your whole existence to show his goodness? Not just in what you do for an hour here, but what you do with every breath you take when people are watching and when they're not. How are we doing? It may be easy for me to say some of these things. Yeah, but, yeah, but the fall. Yeah, but, but sin nature. Yeah, but some other excuse. Remember, we were created by Yahweh Elohim, the one who holds all things together, who quiets chaos with just a word. He created you, he blessed you, he set you apart for his glory. So I'll ask it again, how is that going for you? Here are some questions I think that will be appropriate for response time here, but also response time as we live out this call in our life. What about your life right now, as it stands today, May 1, what do you need to change in order to be able to show his glory more clearly? What are the things getting in the way that are hindering his glory to shine? What are the things that we need to repent of today? What are the things that we need to walk away from so that our mind's attention and our heart's affection can solely be focused on the one who created us? So the question that stands, although we are in Genesis chapter one, and if you went on to Genesis chapter two, you are going to see the beauty of the perfect creation. And what it should do and what it does for me is it causes an angst inside of me. Because in all the ways I wanna do this, there truly is a nature at work in me that is warring against this. I want it my way and I want it now. And God says, trust me, lean not on your own understandings. In all of your ways, acknowledge him and he will make straight your paths. That's what he's calling us to, but my flesh says, I want it and I want it today. All right, so what do we do in that tension? Although we see the perfect picture of Genesis 1 and we are being called into something deeper, how do you wrestle with that? And I believe we answer some of those questions, we're gonna get closer. I don't think, unless you were just, whew, high and holy, 
I don't think there's anybody in this room that has it all figured out. I don't. But I do know that these questions sting and they heal. If I'm created to show his glory to everyone and everything, what are the things that are standing in the way that mar that glorious image? Those are the things that have to be gone today, right now. That's the invitation to come. To come to repent of our sin and to believe the gospel. To put our hope and trust in Christ alone. Because as we will see, where the first Adam failed, the second Adam was wildly successful. Where he failed, Christ was victorious. So our hope is not in the first Adam, but in the Adam who came and who will soon come again. This has been a production of Broadmoor Baptist Church. If you enjoyed today's episode, please share it with others and don't forget to subscribe. To help us spread the word, please give us a five-star review and tell your friends to subscribe as well. They can find us wherever they prefer to get their podcasts. And if you'd like more information about Broadmoor, please visit our website at broadmoor.org or connect with us on your favorite social media platform where we're listed as at my Broadmoor. Thanks for listening.